Hello? Who is this? Hello? This is Ann. Ready? Hello? Who's there? I'm talking. Hello? Can you hear me now? Good. Well, good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Awesome. It's great to be here. I love all your smiling faces this morning. We've been in a series called Straight Talk, which is out of the book of Malachi, and we're going to continue that today. And so if you're new with us and you haven't been a part of the series, let me tell you, Malachi is a treat for you. Uh, he holds back no punches. He's a, he's a prophet from God that God said, hey, I want to tell you what's going on for my people, and you need to then relay it to them like I told you. And Malachi goes, hey, I'm your guy. I want to tell you. It's kind of like, um, I don't know, before cell phones were, were kind of a big thing. And uh, maybe when you were a kid and if you've ever gotten in trouble by your parents, but you didn't know it yet. And uh, so they were at work or whatever. And maybe you haven't had this, but this happened to me a lot where they would call home. They found out something had happened. They'd call home and I wasn't home yet. I was at a friend's house and uh, they, my brother answered the phone and they would tell my brother, where, where's, where's Dan, all this stuff. And they're like, he goes, I don't, I don't know why. And so they tell him all the stuff you did wrong, right? And so they say, hey, did this, did this, this, this. They hang up the phone and you get home and the parents aren't yet, here yet. And my brother would look at me and go, ooh. You are in trouble. And I like, what? What did I do? And so my brother then get, begins to tell me all the things that I did wrong, right? Holds back nothing of what's happening so that when my parents get home, then I have to hear it all again. This is the book of Malachi where God says, hey, I got to tell you, Malachi, you are a prophet from God. You're going to tell my people what's going on. And then Malachi goes, I got you. And then they go, you are in trouble, right? And so it's not all bad. There's encouragement here, but, but we're getting to a place where God has said, hey, the people have dropped the ball a little bit of what's going on. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Malachi chapter 2. That's where we're going to be today. We're going to be talking about spiritual leadership, the idea of leadership. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I was talking to a friend of mine, and uh, we were swapping stories about our kids. And so Wilson is in second grade, and he is at that age where there are a lot of stories to swap about what's going on with him. And uh, luckily, my friend was telling me all about what's going on, and he says, my daughter can't be the line leader anymore. And I go, really? Can't be the line leader? And I'm thinking, yes, not about my kid, right? So I'm really excited about that. I go, what happened? What do you mean it can't be the line leader anymore? Well, she was the line leader at school, and the teacher told me that she's leading the kids, and so they kind of get in class, go from one thing to the next thing. She was leading, and she was supposed to turn right down a hallway. And as she's turned right, the teacher going, okay, turn right, turn right. And the girl is not turned right. She is like kind of gung-ho for what's going on. He, the teacher yells a little louder, louder, turn right. We need you to turn right. And she goes smack right into the wall. And then one by one, each kid goes smack, smack, smack. And they all hit the wall. And they keep going. And so the teacher goes, what were you doing? Why did you do that? And the girl goes, I just wanted to see if they'd follow me. <laughs> True story. They, they just wanted so, And so she is not allowed to be the line leader for a little bit. Now, here's the deal. I think sometimes, whether intentionally or unintentionally, we as leaders, as spiritual leaders, sometimes do the same thing. We sometimes, whether we know it or not, are leading people into a wall, and we're sitting there going, well, that's where I was going. I didn't know that they'd follow me, right? That they'd do that whole thing. And Malachi in here is talking, in this chapter, chapter 2, he is talking to the leaders of the church. And he is telling them, guys, I think you're leading people into a wall. And you need to wake up because we need to change that. As he starts out in this chapter, he's going to be talking to the priests. And, and the priest was set up in the Old Testament as an intercessor to God. 
You see, when, when man sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned, there became a separation between God and man in the way it was intended. And because there was sin in man's life, God could no, no longer walk in communion with man. So Adam and Eve had to leave the garden, right? Yeah, if you've been in church, you know the story that they're separated. And because of that separation, there has to become an intercessor, someone in between to go to talk to God on behalf of man. And so God raised up what was called the priesthood. And the priest would come in and God would talk to them. They were cleansed a certain way where God could talk to them, and then they would talk to man, man would talk to the priest, and they would go to God. And this is how the Old Testament would work. And Malachi is talking to that, that priesthood, and they're going, priests, leaders, we have an issue here that we need to talk about. The deal is, is life is a little different now. See, when Jesus came on the scene, Jesus died for our sins, Jesus rose again, and it says he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and that he is now the high priest, the intercessor. That's why it says in Romans chapter 8, it says, who then is the one who condemns you? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. That that we no longer have to go to someone else. It's kind of like when you were in middle school and you liked someone, right? You had a crush on that person. You never went to that person yourself, did you? You went and found your friend and said, hey, can you go talk to them for me? Can you find out something about them? And then they relayed the information back and they kept going back that way. This is what was happening. It was a middle school relationship with the priests. We today have graduated to an adult relationship. We get to go directly to God as believers. That's a cool thing. We no longer have to have someone else do that for us. Jesus is the high priest. In 1 Peter, it actually says that we are now part of the priesthood, that we could do that. 2 Corinthians calls us ambassadors. So we are now at the level as believers, as priests, which means when we're talking to the priests in the Old Testament, we're talking to the body of Christ of anybody who's accepted Jesus now. So this passage that we're going to read is actually for us, if you have accepted Jesus as your savior, this passage is for you as a believer. So Malachi chapter two, if you turn there with me, let's read this starting in verse one. It says this, and now you priest, remember that's us, this warning is for you. If you do not listen, and if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not resolved to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will smear your faces with the dung from your festival sacrifices. And that is exactly what it means, okay? And, I, and you will be carried off with it, And you will know that I have sent you this warning so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him this called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin." For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty and people seek instruction from his mouth. But you have turned from the way and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. 
So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people because you have not followed my ways, but have shown partiality in matters of the law. Now here's the deal. There is a lot to unpack in this passage. And in the next 20 minutes, I'm going to try and do that for us. And the first thing I want us to see as we we sit here is Malachi is not holding back punches. We talked about that. He is talking directly to us. There's a divine call from God upon the leadership of the time and says, we need to step it up. The ball has been dropped. It's time to pick it up and move forward. And he starts this in chapter one, right? In verse one, he says, there is a warning. I have a warning for you. And now you priests, this is the warning. And then the next eight verses, he unpacks the warning. Now here's the deal. We know that when there is a warning, it's because probably something's messed up, right? There's been something that's gone on. Think about it. When you go to, the, to McDonald's and you get a cup of coffee and it says, beware, coffee is hot. That's a warning. Why? Because somebody didn't, forgot that it was hot when they spilled it on themselves. Right? And so they had to put that on there so all could see, remember, the coffee is hot because the steam wasn't enough evidence. Or maybe when you see, hey, beware, construction ahead when there's orange cones all over the place. We live in Michigan. We know what that means, right? Construction. Yet they have to put a sign to warn someone when it goes, oh, man, didn't know there was construction going on here today. Really? Did you miss the sign? Right? And so, so we start off, Malachi's going, hey, priest, here's a warning. Be aware there's something coming up. You need to know what's going on. So he's saying, hey, leaders, that's us. We have a warning, we need to pay attention, we need to what's going on. Because what's happening is there is a frustration by God. God is frustrated with his people and he wants them to know about it. And he says, hey, be aware, here's a warning. Here's why God is frustrated with his people. He gives two reasons. The first one is the people had a hearing problem. They had a hearing problem. In verse two, it starts off, if you do not listen, that means they're not listening, right? We've all told our kids, listen to me. Why do we tell them that? Because they're not listening, right? It says, if you do not listen, the people had a hearing problem. Wilson is at a really fun age right now. Um, We do a lot of different things together. Uh, We'll play games like Mario Kart. We'll do different things where uh, we can build Legos. Um, But some of the things that he's doing right now is we love superheroes. And so we've been watching some of the different superhero shows and what's going on. So we've been watching this one, and a couple weeks ago as we're watching it, the hero is trying to save somebody. And the hero comes in and tells the person they're trying to save, you're not listening to me. And the person says back, oh, I'm listening. I'm just not listening to everything you have to say. I'm choosing what I pick. I have selective hearing, right? And it's like, oh, that's what's going on. And I find so often that's how we sometimes interact with the Lord. That we go, hey, I hear this. I, I, I see this. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm just going to choose what I like, right? I'll pick out the good stuff, things I like to do, things I enjoy. I'll hear that, and I, and I see it all. I see the rest of it. I hear the rest of it. I know, God, I know what you're trying to tell me. Eh, well, I'm just going to choose what I want, right? This is what he's telling the Israelites, the, the people of the church. Hey, priest, you, you're hearing, but you're not listening, They had a listening problem. And I wonder, how often is this us? How often are we frustrated by the people around us who aren't hearing us? You're not listening to me. This is God telling us, people, leaders, you're not hearing me right. And I'm frustrated. The second thing that, that God is frustrated with, he tells his people, is they have a heart problem. 
He says there, he says, if you do not set your heart to honor my name, that there's a heart problem of what's going on. You see, the, the leaders of this day, the, the priests of what's going on, they would have had some knowledge in them. They would have by this time had learned the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, called the Torah. They would have memorized those things. They would have been teaching these things. And so they would have known them intimately of what's going on. And they would know the rules that they're following. So when God says, hey, you, do not, you have not set your heart to honor my name, it means you're not choosing to follow what I've done. It, it, it kind of says, hey, you think you know better than me, right? When we know the rules and we choose not to follow the rules, we are saying that we know better than the rules, right? Isn't that what logic would tell us? If we know the rules, we know what we're supposed to do. We know that this is what God's standard is. We choose not to follow the standard to choose our way. We've essentially said, we know better than God. And so Malachi is telling the priests, hey, leaders, you're choosing to harden your heart because you feel like you know better than God. Man, I resonate with that because that's something I struggle with myself. As I go through life and I go, yeah, God, I know what you want, but have you heard what I want? I, have you heard what I, I like? So I hear you. I'm not really listening, but I'm telling you, I know better. And so my personal pride kind of seeps in and begins to take over with my decision making. And I believe that this is what happened with the leaders. They were more worried about honoring themselves than they were about honoring the Lord. Did you hear that? They were more worried about honoring themselves and their choices than they were about honoring the Lord. How often do we make that same mistake? That we say, God, I'm more important than what you have for me. We may not physically say that out loud, but our actions are showing that. And so God is frustrated. He's upset. He's saying, hey, I'm trying to help you, and yet your heart's not in the right place. You're not hearing what I'm saying. And so he's laid out this warning for the people. Who is who's he warning them against? Essentially, he's saying, I'm warning you against me, about, against God, that there are consequences that have to happen. He's disappointed in them, and he's saying, hey, I, I'm going to have to follow through on what I'm doing, and we all know that as parents, we make rules all the time that we have no intention of following through on. We're just hoping that the, the threat is worth it, right? If you don't do this, I'm going to, and then we make this threat. And we've all been there as a parent when the kid then goes, prove it, right? And then we're, 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 we have to just make a decision. Are we willing to follow through on those consequences, which in reality is more of a punishment for us than the kid, right? I believe God's saying, hey, guys, I'm warning you because there are consequences coming that I don't want to do, but I'm a man of my word. I'm a God who does what I'm saying, and I'm going to have to follow through. Don't make me do this. 
And so he's frustrated, he's disappointed. And the reason is that disappointment comes is because they keep pushing him. The first thing he says, God already gave a warning and they ignored it. He already gave the warning. Did you see that? He says, I will send a curse on you. This is verse two, the end of it. I will send a curse on you and I will curse your blessing. So here's my warning. And then he says this, yes, I've already cursed them because you have not received to honor me. He's saying, I've actually already had to do this. Don't make me do it again. I'm trying to give you a second chance. I'm trying to do this, and God always, always gives his people a warning. This book shows us the warning. It tells us what's going on, and yet we choose to treat this book so often like a McDonald's menu, right? Here's what I mean. My favorite order to get food at McDonald's, McDouble, no pickle. Hold the pickle. Don't want the pickle. Pickle's horrible. Don't like it at all. No pickle. Love the McDouble, not the pickle. We do that sometimes. Hey, God, hey, I love your salvation. I love your grace. That whole sharing Jesus thing, not me. Don't like it. Don't like to talk to people. Salvation, yes. Share, no. We treat this book so often like we pick and choose. And God's saying that's not how this works. Love, salvation, great commission, no. He's giving them a warning. You don't get to do that. You have to follow the instructions to the T is what's going on. And so he's frustrated because he's saying, hey, I've already given this warning and yet you're not following it. The second thing he, he wants us to know is he's frustrated because our sin will always affect others. Did, did you see that in verse three and four? Did you catch that? It says, because of you, because of your leadership, I will rebuke your descendants. I will smear on your faces the dung from your festival sacrifices and you will be carried off with it and you will know that I have sent you this warning so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. He says, hey, your actions, the way you're leading right now will affect your kids, will affect the town who has to watch this, will affect you. And we live in a society, I find so often right now, especially the younger generations at times, is, is that phrase, YOLO, you only live once. It, it only affects me, right? It's my actions. What does it mean to you? I can do whatever I want. Who, it's not your life, it's mine. And we forget that the things we do in life always affect other people, for good and for bad, right? Not just negatively, positively as well. And so the actions that we do will affect the people around. The Lord is trying to remind them, guys, when you do this as leaders, it will affect other people. It will affect the people that are following you and who you're overseeing. And so God's like, I'm not just frustrated for you. I'm frustrated for everybody else of what's going on. And I'm trying to stop this. And so often we look at this and go, yeah, but God, those are a lot of rules. And I feel they're there sometimes just to ruin my fun. We sound like our kids, don't we? You're just trying to ruin my fun. And what I've learned is there are two reasons that God punishes and rebukes us, right? Why he, he has this curse that he says he's doing. The first one is his goal is to correct us. It is. He wants to make clear what he wants from us. You're doing it wrong, let me correct you to show you the right way, right? We do that, we're very good as that as parents. 
We want to show you the right way. We're correcting you from what's going on. But the second thing that why God does it is often overlooked. It's to protect us. He wants to protect us. God's desire is for us to be safe, not to ruin our fun. He wants to keep us safe. We tell our kids, don't touch the stove. Why? Not because we want to ruin their fun. We want to keep them from getting burned, right? Don't touch the stove. And then they touch it. They get burned. We want to protect. God's desire is to protect So when he walks us through this book and he has commands, yes, he's correcting what we're doing, but he is protecting what he has called us to do. Now, here's the deal. As you see this, it's kind of, it's actually like, what do I do then? Well, God always leaves a way for a solution. And he's telling his people, hey, I got a solution for you, and it's my covenant. You saw it there. He says, hey, you have broken the covenant with Levi, so here's where we're at. He actually comes and says, hey, I want to give you a second chance. The solution is a covenant. Now, you might be asking, hey, what is a covenant? Well, a covenant is a promise, usually between two parties, that is a guaranteed bond between what God, a witness from God and, and his command. And so there's this legally binding thing that comes together between man and God, and there's this covenant that happens. We see it all through Scripture where God sets together this promise that's bigger than us, and it's binding. Now, the deal is, is we think of that, yeah, it's a promise. I know what a promise is. No, no. In the Old Testament, a promise that was broken, a covenant that was broken, was punishable sometimes up to death. It was a big deal. It wasn't like, yep, I lied. No, there's a bigger deal. And so God has made several covenants. He, he made the covenant with Noah not to flood the earth in Genesis 8. Covenant with Abraham to make him a great nation in Genesis 12. A covenant with Israel over the use of the promised land and to be God's chosen people in Exodus 19 through 24. A covenant with David about a descendant who would sit on the throne forever, 2 Samuel 7. A new covenant that it, with Israel that there would be a Messiah that's going to come in Jeremiah chapter 31. And so he says, hey, I want to restore the covenant with the leadership of the people, right? There's a leadership of the group. And so this is referring to the covenant in Exodus 19, verses 5 and 6. And it says this, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, what's that word, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possessions. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. That was the covenant for this leadership group. For us today, we have a new covenant, don't we? The new covenant that was set up was that Jesus came to this earth for you. He died on a cross for you. He rose again for you. And in return, he says, follow me. I will make this covenant. I will do all of that for you. And someday you'll be restored with me, right? You'll restore me. You'll get to be with me in heaven. And your end of the bargain is follow me. Listen to my commands. That's the new covenant today. When we take communion, we talk about, hey, there's a new covenant. This is my promise to you. So did you catch it? God's saying, hey, here's the deal. I want us to be in this new covenant. I want leaders, you to understand this is a big deal to me. And this is the solution to the problem. The first thing you have to do is actually receive the covenant. 
right? You have to accept the offer. It says that right there in Malachi 2.5. It says, my covenant with him, a covenant of life and peace, and I gave it to them. God gave it to them. So he's saying, receive my covenant. Accept the offer. If you have accepted that offer today, awesome, you did great. If you have not, let me tell you, there is an offer on the table that's always there from God saying, hey, I want to be with you forever in eternity. I want you in heaven. Believe in my son Jesus that he died and rose again for you. Follow his word and we will enter into a new covenant today. Accept the offer. The second thing to solution that we have is respect the covenant. Going on in verse 5, it says, This, this called for reverence, and, a revere, and it re, he revered me and stood in awe of my name. Do we respect this book enough to hear it, listen to it, and live it out? Respecting means hearing, listening, and living out. That's what it means to respect the covenant of God. So you want, leaders, you want to restore this solution? You got to respect it. And the last solution I see here that he's saying is you have to relate the covenant. He says, true instruction was in his mouth and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and he turned many from sin. We have the ability to go and actually share, share the covenant with other people. See, it's one thing, it's one thing to be a leadership group who says, hey, I got this, I've accepted it, I respect it, that's awesome. But we have to begin to start sharing that covenant with other people. How you doing at that? You see, to relate the covenant means that we need to talk and share. Talking is your experience. We're really good at that. I'm really good at that. I love to talk. Talking is our experience. Sharing is inviting someone to come along the experience with you. We have to begin to talk and share if we're going to relate the covenant. The the second part of that is, is that we actually have to live out what he taught us. There's an action step. We actually have to go from here. We have to live out what he's actually teaching. Walk the walk, so to speak, not just talk the talk. And as we do that, then what we're going to find is that we are going to be able to show the fruits of all of that. That we can show the fruits of our labor. People will begin to look at us and see what it means to be a Christ follower. So the question is this, how's your covenant with God going? You claim to receive salvation. Maybe you've respected it, what that means. But what does that mean to the world around you? What are they seeing? Because here's the deal. Malachi doesn't stop right there in verse seven through nine, he says this. For the lips of a priest, for the lips of the leader, right church the lips of the leader ought to preserve knowledge because he is the messenger of the lord almighty and the people seek instruction from his mouth 
saying, okay, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, people are looking at you at what it means to be a Christ follower. Your covenant with me should be seen by other people. And says, so it's going to come out of your mouth. People are going to hear it, see it, look at it. And then it goes on, verse 8. And here's the, here's the warning, because here's the big deal. It says, but you have turned from the way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. And you have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I've caused you to be despised and humiliated before the people because you have not followed my ways, but have shown partiality in matters of the law. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? Because he says, hey, because I'm sweating, because I'm doing good here. Because <laughs> this means a lot to me. It says that because of our leadership for these people at this time, people were walking away from their faith because of the priests of that time. Because of the leaders of that time, they were looking and going, if that's what it's about, I don't want any part of it. They were walking into walls. But we don't have to do that. God has given us a warning and says, live it out. That covenant I have, live it in such a way that others will see and turn towards God, point towards God. How is your covenant with the Lord going today? Is it a part of your DNA? Friends, is it a part of, of who you are? Everything you do, everywhere you go, does the covenant live inside of you? in such a way that other peoples are not turning away, but other people are going towards Jesus because of your covenant. That's the call today. That's the question I have for you. That's the question I think Malachi had for the people of the time is, are they willing to change? And how is your covenant going? Are you living out the promise you made with God? Whether that was last year, 10 years ago, 40 years ago. Because I tell you what, I, for me, this hit me hard this week as I was preparing. I've been in church from day one, right? My parents were born, I think they said the first Sunday I was in the nursery. I've been in church ever since. And yet there are days that I realize I'm not living it out. I'm not pointing people towards Jesus on a regular basis. How's your covenant going today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. God, you are such a good God. And may this morning, Lord, would you allow us to live out our covenant with you, to remember that you sent your son Jesus to this earth for us, to die on a cross for us, to raise again for us. And Lord, maybe there's people in this room that they didn't even know that has happened. And they're saying, hey, how do I get that? How do I get to have eternity with Jesus someday and someone who loved me that much? And this morning, Lord, if you prompt them, would you have them come forward, talk to myself or any of our prayer partners to enter into that, to accept that offer. But Lord, for those of us who've been there, who know, would you challenge us, continue to challenge us and push us 
to live out our covenant on a daily basis, not just selecting when we want to and when we don't, but allow us to follow the people around us and not lead them into a wall. To watch one by one turn away from you. May we point people to you on a regular basis, Lord, because of our love for you and our goal to honor what you've done. It's in your name we pray. Amen.